You're listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is baptistchurch.com. Well, amen. I want you to remain standing and take your Bibles. And children are going to begin to make their way. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to be looking through verses 35 through 58. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 35. And boy, this is a great group of kids. We're proud of them. Um. I left a bag on my desk, but it was a bag of corn. In fact, the praise team were in there, and Jeffrey said, Dad, what is this? I said, this is sweet corn seed that I bought at the co-op. It is $17.50 a pound. So undoubtedly, it's some really good sweet corn. And uh, I planted some of it, still waiting on it to come up. But I was, I was reminded of a passage. In fact, I tell you what, keep your thumb on 1 Corinthians 15. Take a left, and I want you to go to the Gospel of John. In fact, let's start there. John chapter 12, verse 24. Because my hope is, is that this corn is everything that the co-op said that it will be. And that, uh, that not only the seed that I put in the ground will come up, but that it will give me a great, a great harvest of corn. And uh, David Lott, I need you to come back over, cut down a few more trees, because I still have a little too much shade. But, uh, but anyway, how many of you have uh, had a garden sometime in your life? Anybody? Okay. How many of you had a parent that had a garden? Raise your hand. My dad... My dad, when we left uh, Titusville, Florida, when he left NASA, and we moved to the hills of Yazoo County, uh, my dad had these uh, ideas of building these big gardens. And we went down there, had this little Ford 9-in tractor, little disc, and we, you know, disced the ground up. And then he began to plant these rows. And I don't know about you, but he planted some of the longest rows I've ever seen. I used to think when I was a kid, Angie, this brings back memories, doesn't it? I used to think when I was a kid, oh my God, we're never going to get to the end of this row. Because you had to hoe those rows. You had to get rid of all the weeds. And you had to cultivate that ground around that crop. And, and uh, man, I hated it. I, man, I, I tell you, I hated it. I can't tell you how bad I didn't like it. And I remember one time my mom screaming and hollering and saying, the cows are out and the cows have gotten into the garden. Get down there and get the cows out of the garden. Well, this was me. I mean, man, I was barely getting one foot. I was so thankful the cows were eating that garden up because I was thinking to myself, man, we don't have to hoe that garden anymore. Sheila, she had it worse than I did. Her dad actually had his garden right in front of the school, right in front of the high school. And so Sheila's dad, Charlie Tucker, he said, now girls, when y'all get out of school, y'all just walk to the garden and uh, we're going to hoe and work the garden. So here's Sheila trying to be sweet and good looking probably in high school. And she was out there hoeing the garden. She said everybody that went by was looking at her laughing and making fun. You know, there's just something about having a garden. And Jesus 
I believe, held a seed in his hand when he said these words. In John 12, verse 24, watch what he said here. Um, and I've got to find it myself. Am I right here, John, John 12, 24? Okay, I'm looking at the wrong chapter. John 12, 24, here it is. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat, but it could be any seed, falls to the ground and what? And dies. It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Let's pray again. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We give you glory for this service. And we give you glory for this message. Lord, cleanse me. Forgive me. Let me be a tool in your hand. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Now, we're going to be moving through the Bible. So I want you to, how many of you have your Bible today? Say amen. Or you can hold it up. I, w- I wasn't going to do that to you because some of you, uh, you're, you're content with the app on the phone, and that's all right. But like I've always t- said, I like a hard copy. I like to be able to hold a Bible, like to be able to take notes, and I love the thought of being able to leave it to my children and my grandchildren. My grandson, Sam, 14 years old, is preaching his first message today. And I sent him a word of encouragement this morning. And so he's preaching, he's preaching as well today. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 20. Watch what Paul says here. He said, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Now watch it again. Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Everything stems on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul said this, Paul said Jesus was, when Jesus was resurrected, we celebrated it last week with Easter, when Jesus was resurrected, listen, stay with me, that was the first fruits of a bodily resurrection. It's, uh, it, the idea here is the wave offering. When a Jew would come at the harvest time with their crop, they they gave a what they called a wave offering of first fruits. And you know what they would do? They would actually take sheaves of wheat or corn and they would wave it as if they were waving it before God. And basically what it was, they were thanking God for the harvest that they were having. Jesus was the wave offering, the first fruit of a bodily resurrection of you and I. Isn't that great? Now look at Philippians. Take take a right, go over. Now you're going to be busy today. Philippians chapter 3. Watch what Paul said to the church at Philippi. Philippians chapter 3 verse 21. Paul said these words. 
And I have so much writing in my Bible, it's hard some, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will, watch this, transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his what? His glorious body. In other words, the Bible said this, just, just as God the Father raised his son Jesus Christ in a physical bodily resurrection, the first fruit, that wave offering, one day, listen, he's going to wave you, he's going to raise you and I up. That's what Paul's saying here. We're going to experience a transforming of our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Watch what Paul said here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, and, and it takes me a minute to get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm in 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 51 and 52. Watch what Paul said here. I love this. He said, listen, I tell you a mystery, we will not all sleep. Now, everybody look this way. Anytime the Bible talks about the Christian, the follower of Jesus Christ dying, it never uses that strong a terminology. It talks about sleep. Now, the Bible's not talking about soul sleep. Your loved one who died instantaneously by the Holy Spirit was placed in the presence of Jesus Christ. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Jesus said to the thief, today you'll be with me in Perusia, in paradise. You're going to be with me today. So your loved one, you put their body in the ground just like we put a seed in the dirt, but their spirit is with the Lord. If you've lost a child, that child right now is sitting with Jesus Christ. And you hang on to that. And if that's not true, I'd throw this Bible away, go home, and never get in a pulpit again. Paul said here, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, watch it. He said, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will all be changed. Wow. Take a right, go over to 1 Thessalonians. Paul says it again to the church at Thessalonian at Thessalonica. Watch this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I love this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Watch what Paul said. Brothers, we do not want you to be, verse 13, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Now, everybody look this way. When we bury somebody and they are a child of God, they are a follower of Jesus Christ, we don't do it as if we have no hope. We're not crawling over in the coffin begging for them to be. Hey, listen, listen. If you could get one glimpse of heaven, you'd never shed another tear. Let me tell you why God doesn't let you and I see heaven in all of its glory. Because you and I would be, hey, hey, listen, we'd be walking out in the interstate. We'd be eating three Baconators. We would just literally throw caution to the wind. I remember years ago, a woman in the first church I pastored, 
She said, she used to tell her husband, she'd say, Walter, I'm just going to tell you, if you die before I do, you tell them to widen the gates because I'm going to eat myself into oblivion. One day, Walter and Doris, precious people. This, man could hit, this man's shoulders were massive. He get a softball like nobody I've ever seen before. One day, they were getting ready to go to one of their grown children's events. Walter, pitcher of hell, sat down on the bed, laid back, and went, had a massive heart attack and died right there. I've often thought, Doris, are you doing that? Let me tell you something. You and I, when we give up our loved ones who are in Christ, we do not do it as if they, we have no hope. That's what Paul said. He said, listen, he said, the brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with, the, with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now, everybody stay with me. What did I tell you? The moment your loved one died, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Today you'll be with me in paradise, Jesus told. Hey, right now, Megan, your grandfather's in heaven. He's hanging over the banisters of heaven. He's watching how you and I are running the race. Her grandfather was a godly man. You've heard me talk about it. Listen, if you've got a child, they're in heaven right now. You're encompassed by this great cloud of witnesses. They are asleep in Jesus. Their body has been placed down into the ground. Their spirit is with Christ. Now watch this. This is critical. Watch what Paul said here. We believe that Christ Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus, those who have what? Who have what? Who have fallen asleep, where? Positionally in Christ. According to the Lord's own words, we tell you that we who are still alive, he's talking to you and I if, his, if he comes today. We who are still alive, who are left to the coming of Christ, the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have what? Fallen what? Asleep. Now watch this, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, same language he talked about in Corinth, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now wait a minute, he said what? He said, listen, those that are asleep in Christ, they're going to come with him. Now he said the dead in Christ are going to what? They're going to come up out of the ground. Man, isn't that exciting? I tell you how powerful that is. And he goes on to say, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first after that. And watch why Paul was such an effective evangelist, because Paul thought he would be alive at the second coming of Christ. He said these words, And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. That's where we get our word rapture, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so will we be with the Lord forever therefore what are we to do with those words what are we to do with them encourage one another I look out in this room and I see moms that have given up their children what does that mean that means that your children are right now with Christ they're not suffering and if you could see them you wouldn't wish them back you wouldn't want them back 
But the Bible says that one day the loud command of God, the trump of God will sound. And in that moment, their spirit, their spirit that is with Christ is going to come. And listen, you and I are going to find the law of gravity no longer working. Graves are going to begin to open. Your loved ones are going to be coming. And spirit and body meet midair, a bodily resurrection. A Jew asked a man one time, he said, do you believe that? Do you really believe that God, think about the people that have been cremated. Think about the people that have rotted. Think about the people that have died at sea. Think about all those people. Do you actually believe that God could do that? The same God that called this universe into existence, the same God that formed your body and mine, has the DNA, has the blueprint of your life in his sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient mind. And when he gets ready, he'll call you and I out of the dust he created Adam and Eve out of the dust and he can do it again Adam out of the dust and Eve out of a rib so you know how great that is the resurrection but watch what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 13 Paul in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, he said, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? You see, everybody look this way. The problem at the church at Corinth was these people did not believe in the resurrection. Greek philosophers, the philosophy of that day was this. This body is inherently evil. It is bad. You and I have a spirit, but it's walking around in a corpse. You know, yesterday, I, I tell you, Sheila and I, we are getting old. I'm just going to tell you, and it ain't easy. Man, there are sounds, noises that come out of your body. Uh, uh, your bones don't work right, your joints. I mean, we sound like we're 90 years old trying to get up out of the bed. And, you know, I used to laugh because my grandmother had arthritis. She had rocked about four times before she rocked her way out of the, out of the chair. And I think, man, I, uh, we're, we're, we're getting there. Let me tell you, these bodies fail. Uh, they eventually give out. And, and, and I feel that. But what is the apostle Paul talking about here? Paul's talking about a new body. That Jew that said, do you believe that God can, do you believe that, do you believe that one day God's going to bring up all those people, those people that 1,500 died on the Titanic? You mean those people that went down to the depth of the ocean, never to return, eaten by fish or whatever? You mean to tell me, I remember in South Africa, a picture one time, they cut a shark open in South Africa. Let me tell you, in South Africa, in Durban, those surfers surf within a metal mesh. Those guys surf in some of the most shark-infested waters in the world. And I remember a picture one time. They cut a massive killer shark open, a great white, and it had a full-grown African man in the belly of that shark. You mean to tell me that God's going to raise that man up out of, out of the belly of a fish? You better believe it. He did with Jonah. That man looked at that Jew and said, you're exactly right, God can do that. But watch what Paul says in verse 13. Because you know what Paul said? Paul said, well, let's talk about the resurrection. Paul said, if there's no resurrection, if Jesus Christ has not been resurrected, look at verse 13. He said, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. I mean, Paul just basically says it. Take a right and go over to Revelation 1. Man, I love this. You don't turn there, I feel sorry for you. You need to get saved. 
I told Jeffrey, I was out there at his place, and he's got about a three-acre lake that he's been stocking and keeping fish in it, and I was looking at it, and I, I looked at him, and I said, Jeffrey, if this ever becomes mundane, if you ever get used to this, son, you need to get saved because it's just beautiful. But watch what Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Watch what, watch what Jesus said here. He's talking to John the Beloved. He says here, John said in verse 17, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. Don't you love that? That's, that's Jesus' favorite statement. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Hey, listen, you don't have to be anxious and filled with word. God loves you. He's sovereign. He's watching over you. Watch what he says here. John said, I fell at his feet as though I were dead. Then Jesus Christ placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and hell. Wow. What a great God we serve. Paul said in verse 13, if there's no resurrection, the Christ is not raised. Look at verse 14, first part of it. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. This is a waste of time. You know what I sent to my little grandson this morning, 14 years old, going to the pulpit. I sent these words. I said, Sam, I said, uh, Sam, um, well, where are they? I just told him, I said, Sam, I love you and I'm proud of you. And I said, today you're going to stand before people and speak on behalf of the creator of the universe. Calm down. Be clear-headed and preach the word. Let me tell you something, folks. We need to understand that Paul was saying if there is no resurrection, what I'm doing right now is foolish. Silly. Waste of time. It's meaningless. It serves no value. It has no, no purpose. There's no hope. But watch what Paul goes on to say in, in verse 14. He said, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. This is a waste of time. I'm wasting my time. You're wasting your time. But watch what he goes on to say. And so is what? So is your faith. Your faith is foolish. It's a Greek word there, kanos. means empty, means meaningless, means it has no purpose. You know, a moment ago I was talking about Hebrews chapter 11, where it gives us the great heroes of the faith. Hey, let me tell you something. You go back and read that. Sometimes the enemy gets in your head. The enemy tells you how bad you are, how sorry you are, how many mistakes you've made. Do I need to remind you that Samson is listed as one of the heroes of the faith? You mean the guy that was a womanizer? You mean the guy that couldn't You mean the guy that had all kinds of problems with sexual promiscuity? You mean the guy that battled with lust? You mean the guy that had his head in Delilah's lap and had his hair cut off as he disclosed the secret to his strength? You mean that guy? Yes. God uses clay pots, busted up, beaten up. I love what one woman comedian said one time. He uses broken clay pots because they let the light shine through. Isn't that great? 
But one writer said, if, there, if, the, if, there, if, if Jesus Christ was not resurrected, is there is, if there is no resurrection, then the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 becomes a hall of fools. From Genesis to Revelation, from Adam to John the Baptist, from every Old Testament prophet, they're all foolish. They're all the missionaries today. They're all a bunch of fools. I remember years ago when Sheila and I, we sold our car. We sold, we sold everything that we had. She cried and wept and cried and wept as she'd go through the kids' stuff. And she said, I don't want to throw that away. Say, so, Sheila, you got to. We had four crates, 200 cubic, you know, uh, 200 cubic feet. We had 800 cubic feet to put everything that we had on a ship and send it overseas to Africa. We got rid of everything. Gave it all away or sold it or garage sale or whatever. And I'll never forget when I was going to the airport, I was riding and, and for the last time in a vehicle that I was getting ready to get rid of. And my friend looked at me, a preacher friend of mine, because the kids were riding with grandparents and Sheila was riding with her family. And I was riding with a preacher friend of mine, a man by the name of Dennis. And Dennis looked at me and he said, Jeff, you've never been out of the country and you're going to, and I'll never forget, he looked at me, and you're going to Africa to live. You're taking your wife, your four kids, and it was like he just kept on. You're going to Africa to live and you won't be home for probably about four years. You're not going to see your family. Sheila's not going to see her family. And he began to, he said, how do you feel? You know what I looked at him and said? My old Bible was laying by my side and I put my hand on my Bible and I said, Dennis, I said, I'm banking everything that this is the truth. I'm Risking it all. Her dad died of a massive heart attack. My grandmother died five weeks afterwards. She had to come home and bury her dad. And I've lived since 1997 on medication every single day of my life. According to Mayo, I have no choice. You know what the Bible says? Paul said this. Paul said, listen, if there's no resurrection of the dead, Paul said, we're, we're a bunch of fools. Your faith is foolish. He goes on, verse 15, and we'll close in a few minutes, but he says, more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, in fact, the dead are not raised. In other words, what Paul said, listen, Paul said this, he said the disciples, Paul said myself, he said the women at the tomb, he said we're all guilty of perjury. I got to looking this up, I didn't know this, Molly. Molly and Ledger are lawyers in the room. I, I, perjury is to willfully under oath t- tell an untruth. To willfully under oath tell an untruth. To lie under oath. To provide a false testimony. Listen to this. Perjury is a felony and carries a sentence, a prison sentence plus fine. You know what Paul said? Paul said about all the people. You remember what he told the church at 1 Corinthians? You know what he told them? He started naming all the people that had witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
He started naming them disciples, he, women, people. He said, there's 500 witnesses and all of them, most of them are still alive that have seen Christ resurrected. He said, I could, call, uh, I could call all kinds of people to come and bear witness, bear evidence. Paul said, but listen, if there is no resurrection, if Jesus Christ wasn't resurrected, Paul said, then I have perjured myself and so have all the others. Let me tell you something. You know what the problem is with some of us? We are intimidated by this puny little world. I don't listen to Richard Dawkins who wrote The God Delusion. I don't care that he's a, he's a professor at Oxford. I just had a friend of mine who's three times offered me an opportunity to go to Oxford. The reality is I don't listen to Richard Dawkins. I listen, I listen to uh, John Lennox, the great mathematician brilliant mathematician who stood 12 minutes and defended the faith of Jesus Christ, one of the foremost mathematical minds in the world who sat from here to that chair from Richard Dawkins who wrote The God Delusion, a famous atheist, and defended his faith laughing and quoting the Bible. Paul said this, he said, listen, if we're guilty, if this is a lie, then we are guilty of perjury and should be held responsible. I wrote this down, they are not confused, they are not misinformed. Paul said all of them are outright liars and there are a myriad of first century believers all the way up to the present time. The resurrection. Erwin Lutzer wrote a book called Christ Among Other Gods. Great Presbyterian, a brilliant man. You've heard me tell this story, but he said this. He said, there have been a lot of would-be deliverers. He said, but years ago, there was a grandmother who had been left with her child to watch her grandchild while mom had gone to work. In a little while, law enforcement police came to her office and said you need to get to your home immediately they escorted her to her home where there in the swimming pool in the backyard the little three-year-old had wandered out the glass sliding glass doors fallen into the swimming pool and not only was her child dead but her mother was dead as well the caption on the news and the caption in the newspaper read this it basically said these words she was willing, but she was not able. You see, grandmother loved that child. And what happened? That child came up missing. She began to look around frantic. And all of a sudden, she ran out, saw that child drowning or either floating in that swimming pool. And in that moment, did what she could. She dove in. Love motivated her to go into that swimming pool. She was willing, but she was not able. There has only been one in human history that was not only willing, but he was able to dive into a lost world and to save it, and his name is Jesus Christ. Verse 18, Paul goes on to say this. He said, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied of all men. You know what Paul was saying? He's saying all those who have died physically have ceased to exist if there's no resurrection. Think about that. And then he closes with these words. Look at verse 19. And I'm moving quickly. 
Paul said, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Pity me. That's what Paul said. You know, Paul will get, you know what Paul says? Paul said, I've been beaten. He talks about how many times he's been beaten. 39 lashes. Paul caned, whipped, beaten with a rod, thrown out of cities, left for dead. One time it's believed that Paul was dead and was brought back to life shipwrecks he begins to talk about all the suffering all the pain all that he's gone through and Paul said listen if there's no resurrection of the dead you know what Paul said pity me pity me and let me tell you what I tell you today if Jesus Christ is not resurrected if the Bible is not true if what I'm preaching is not the truth then you my friend should pity me most of anybody in this room because I have given everything for the cause of Christ. And I live every day adjusting this belt, either taking it up or letting it out. And I, not to gross you out, I spend sometimes hours in the night up sitting in the bathroom. Why? Because a long time ago in Africa, I took the gospel to people who had never heard. I ate and I drank things that have, con that have messed my system up. And Mayo said it'll be messed up probably to the day you die. Pity me. I love what Robert Culver said. And pity my grandson. Pity a 14-year-old boy who's going to stand up today. He said, Popo, I'm nervous. Pity my 14-year-old grandson who will stand up with his knees shaking, scared to death, and he'll preach the gospel. Pity him. If you don't believe in the resurrection, because he's just one more fool in a long line of us. Robert Culver said this. He said the believer's resurrected body. Will be like the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. In every respect. Listen to what he said here. Jesus took extreme measures. To demonstrate beyond any doubt. That he was a body of flesh and bone. Resurrected. Raised up. And that's the promise that you and I have. Well, we've got to close. Let me give you three quick illustrations. This writer said, The embalmed remains of linen lies in a crystal casket in a tomb in Red Square in Moscow. On the casket, it says these words, This great leader, Lenin, there in Moscow. On his casket, crystal casket, it says these words, You can see his body. On the casket it says he was the greatest leader of all peoples, of all countries, of all times. He was the Lord of the new humanity. He was the Savior of the world. And that's why I'll never be a Marxist. No. He's just a dead man. And a fat, fancy casket with a failed political ideology. Second illustration. 
I told you this earlier. Orthodox Jews said to a Chicago minister, I do not believe that a dead body can be resurrected. The Chicago minister said this, Do you believe that God in the beginning created the heaven and the earth? And that he formed Adam's body from the dust of the ground? Asked the minister. Yes, I do, said the Jew. Why don't you believe that God can bring back into existence a body that has returned to dust? Thoughtfully, the Jew replied, If you put it that away, I do believe. Last illustration. Some years ago in Michigan, a little child of great promise died. In the child's hand was placed a beautiful bouquet, in the center of which was an unopened bud of a rose. At the close of the funeral solemnities, loved ones gathered about the little casket to take their last look. A wonderful and revealing thing had happened. The bud had become a rose in full bloom, while grasped in the dead child's hand, the beautiful rose seemed to say, as one writer said, weep not for the spirit that has gone. It has already become a full-bloomed rose in glory. Wow. When I fail to live the Christ life the way I know I should, I not only grieve the indwelling Holy Spirit, I think to myself, oh God, don't let me disappoint you and don't let me disappoint the witnesses that are watching me. Let me run the race. Passion and urgency. Are these times difficult? You better believe it. Does it take a lot to hold on to your faith and continue to believe? Oh, yes, it does. But everything is right on God's schedule. And never forget that. Let's stand. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to you. And Lord, we love you and we praise you. And Lord, I pray every ear, every heart, every person who may be listening right now, I pray, dear Lord, that the power of your Holy Spirit right now would go into that heart. And if they're lost, if they've never been saved, but Lord, right now you're working, you're pleading, you're knocking. I pray, dear Lord, today that they would open up their heart, that they would say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me. I repent of my sin. I know my sin is weighed heavy on the heart of God. I know my sin. God calls you your son. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. And right now, be the Lord of my life. I pray, dear Lord, if someone today has prayed that prayer, asking Jesus to come into their heart, I pray they come publicly. Nothing would discourage, nothing would deter them. So I told a man earlier, when people come forward, I don't know why they're coming. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is just simply to receive them and then to trust God to do whatever God is doing. 
Lord, I pray too for those that may be out of fellowship. Their life has been distracted. They've been living for the world. They've gotten caught up in things that they know they should not be doing. They've given up. They've become hopeless. They've just abandoned themselves to a life that they know deep down that Jesus does not want them to live. Lord, I pray for them today. I pray today that they would come and rededicate their life or wherever they may be, that if they're in their home right now, that they are listening by way of uh, by a message later on. Lord, I sometimes get calls of people that have listened to messages from years gone by. I pray, dear Lord, today that they would recommit that life to Christ. Lord, I don't know what you're doing today. But I pray, dear Lord, that nothing would stand in the way of people either coming to you and being saved or recommitting and rededicating that life. And God will give you the glory. And we'll give you the glory. And Lord, I pray last, I pray for those that have lost loved ones. Lord, encourage them. Remind them that, dear Lord, their loved ones are safe. Their loved ones are with you now. And one day, dear Lord, they'll see them again. So, Lord, I pray that you would comfort those that, have, that are bro- broken and hurting. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.